Anamoy, the eight Greek wind gods, they honor different seasons and different weather conditions. The four major ones are Borea, he brings the cold north wind. Notus brings the south wind and storms in late summer. Zephyrus is the west wind and brings us light spring breezes. And Eurus comes from the east and he's the autumn wind. Then you have the northeast, the southeast, northwest, and southwest winds. And these are personified as winged men and they have symbols on them, representing which winds they bring with them. There's a monument in Athens, a clock tower with eight sides, called the Tower of the Winds, and it represents the Anamoy. Today's episode is exploring the spiritual expression of the elements of air and water. This is Natural and Wild with Christine Grayson. I'm an indie artist and nature lover and a muse. Come and relax a while and explore another dimension. Mine. Witchy, wild, and always quite natural. In certain rural areas of India, if you hand somebody a glass of water, you'll notice the elders especially will hold the water with both hands for a minute before they drink. They're bonding with the water. They recognize and always have recognized that the element of water is in direct relation to what we call in our culture God. But in India, everything holds a sacred part of that creator. Animals, plants, elements, and so the water itself is sacred. This bonding before drinking is for appreciation, as a notion of respect before its taking. It curates a trust between the spirits of water and human, and brings them together as one, before even entering the solid body. And for this reason, these people believe the way they treat their water is responsible for the treatment of their ailments. You'll see, or you used to see anyway, the water would be stored in pots in the home and a flower placed over them at night while everybody slept. In the morning, this love and respect would be swimming through every particle of that healing liquid. I believe this too. After living here alone, visiting this rushing creek here every day and night, listening to its secrets washed down with a flow to my cabin, I began to see and feel something mysterious. I began to sense that this water body was more than just a commodity. It was an entity. And it appreciated my respect, just like I would treat another human being if I were to sit down with them and dare to ask anything from them. After a while, I no longer used, quote unquote, used the Spring Creek. Instead, I asked, for its help with everything that I did. I asked before I just started digging out its lifeblood, and I believe that this rapport I developed with the water here actually began to show me miracles. Air. There are so many things that we can be breathing in and out, depending on where we are. And all of these chemicals react differently with our bodies. Nitrogen which makes up over 70% of normal air, goes right into us along with our oxygen. But our bodies only want to use the oxygen. 
So the nitrogen passes into us along with it, but it doesn't get used. We breathe it back out again, and it's only absorbed by nasal cells. Nitrogen is necessary though. It's the key element that builds our DNA. But we synthesize it in other ways and in order to use it. There has to be this active chemical process that breaks it down so that our bodies can use it and we usually get it through what we eat, especially plant-based foods. And breathing it in and out does close to nothing. The air is a carrier and it carries many things. And some of these things just pass into and out of us, not dangerously at all. And some things are pretty toxic. There's just so much out there. And so even if we're not aware, we have this very, very intimate affair going on with the air all the time. There's no way to separate yourself from the air. You have to breathe. It's the closest relationship with anything that you'll ever have in your life for the rest of your life. Everything that we develop close, intimate, lasting contact with and have a continuous back and forth exchange with becomes a relationship. Of course, in the Western culture, the word relationship is primarily used to mean romantic relationships, and we forget about the other kinds. And when a person begins ignoring a relationship, any relationship, never paying it any attention at all, that relationship will start to present problems. We can't completely ignore and dismiss our relationship with air because we don't live in the Garden of Eden with no pollution, no disease, no stress, no hereditary ailments. We kind of have to pay attention once in a while. You want to keep as much mold and stagnant air out of your living space as possible. If you're allergic to pollens, you want to make sure there's no ragweed growing out of control in your front yard. Most of us install uh, carbon monoxide alarms in our houses to prevent suffocation. You know, simple common sense things. When we're incredibly stressed out, most of us naturally stop and take a deep breath and then start paying attention to our bodies when something's already a problem. Now since the air is a carrier, anything and everything can jump on that train and run right through you at any time. And this is where things can get interesting. When I lived in New York, I took the subway most of the time if I wanted to go anywhere. I didn't have a car. It's too much trouble in Brooklyn to have a car. It's easy enough to call an Uber or jump on the train a block away. And so I spent a lot of time in the pits of the subway. And it's dirty down there. It's dark. There's plenty of airflow, but that air is full of chemicals. And the chemicals that people emit. Pheromones. And all those lovely hormonal combinations. You can literally smell someone's intentions. Their emotions. Their stresses. You can look at someone and pretty much read what kind of day they've had in just two minutes. And this is one of the major reasons people in New York City keep to themselves while they're traveling and don't stop to gab and shoot the shit with strangers. Well, other than the fact that most of them are hyperactive and busy. But if you pay attention to everybody and everything going on around you all the time, 
you're just going to get overloaded and burned out so fast you won't be able to continue. There's so much stress, fast pace, anxiety, fear even. Thousands of people trying to get to work on time, trying to network with somebody somewhere. Time sensitive. People on the subway who've been riding for hours and are so emotionally drained and exhausted and bored of riding in cramped quarters under artificial light. It can get spiritually dark down there sometimes. And these hormones and pheromones are swimming all around in the air and in the train cars and sticking to the walls and hitting you in the face. Overstimulation. I was too sensitive to keep living there. But this is an example of how air can carry somebody's intentions. You can smell them. You absorb them. Everybody transmits them from their bodies all the time. So you can stand in front of a person or sit down with a person and start to absorb and feel them out. You can detect what you need to detect. Nobody can hide anything from you once you learn to pay attention to and to understand these feelings that you're feeling. They're not exactly just feelings. You're literally reading the output of the chemical signals that they're sending to you. And the elements of air and water are primarily responsible for making this happen. These chemical signals are carried by air, condensation, sweat, tears, breath. This is easy stuff to do. To read another person's intentions or to figure out their agendas with you. We just dismiss our own instincts. We tend to fall back on to this mainstream idea that says anything that you're sensing or feeling from somebody is just emotional and might be made up in your own head. And that's not always the case. Maybe if a person has more serious mental issues or they're confused due to an unhealthy physical state. But most of the time, most people are relatively healthy will absolutely be right when they sense somebody's intentions. Because those senses are valid, you're picking up on real pheromones. This is a controversial idea too, because it's hard to scientifically measure human pheromones. In lab settings, in order to measure and identify pheromones, the scientific team responsible is usually trying to find and identify one one single chemical that can be defined as a pheromone. But the human body is different than most bodies in the animal kingdom in that we're way more complex. You can identify one single pheromone from an animal, but not from a person. The human body is different, and while we do send off chemical signals, they can be traced and identified too. We're actually sending a combination a sort of complex of chemicals. So no one of them is identifiable as acting like a pheromone by itself because they all work together to create that signal transmission. We're sending and receiving more than just one signal to an emotion and so it can't be technically called a pheromone. And so it's been said that humans don't produce pheromones, which is bullshit. We absolutely do. They're just more complicated. 
I used to be fascinated with this stuff. Well, I kind of still am. I was an environmental biology major at this private college back in the day, and I was obsessed with our lab work. I didn't want to leave the lab, <laughs> but I didn't finish my degree. I had a serious car accident that gave me amnesia for a couple of months, and it put a real wrench in my whole plan. Kind of just shifted me in another direction in life entirely. But I did retain some interest and in some things that I learned while I was there. <clears throat> I'm still pretty fascinated by it all. If I'd gone to finish that degree, I probably would have turned into some freaky mad scientist trying to make a Frankenstein out in the woods somewhere. <laughs> You'll see it in my art. I put concoctions together in the, the kitchen. I've made my own anti-aging skin serums. I'm serious about this stuff. Chemistry is amazing. But I could go off on that tangent forever. Air. It's a carrier. It does not set rules. You can put anything on that train that you want. You can send messages in it. It's not necessary to use so many words when you're in the same room with somebody. You can use the air and send those messages silently. And you can screw up just as easily that way as you can by talking. For example, and I love examples, say Sally has a crush on Johnny. This is one of the easiest, most base things that anybody can understand. We throw out all kinds of pheromones and hormones when we have crushes. Sally is Johnny's sister's friend. His sister invites Sally to a family dinner. Sally's sitting at the table and she tries her best not to look Johnny in the eye. She's embarrassed. She tries to hide her crush. But guess what happens? Everybody in the room, including Johnny, pick up on something weird oozing from Sally's presence. And suddenly she seems weird. They might detect it's because she likes him, but if she's doing a super good job of hiding or trying to hide that crush, it's not gonna look like a crush anymore. It's gonna look confusing, almost creepy. What the hell is up with Sally? <laughs> Why does she feel so weird? The family doesn't really know how they feel about her anymore. And this is what almost always happens when a person tries to hide something as emotional as a crush. It perverts into something weird. <laughs> it floats in the air, hanging heavy, producing feelings of distrust in, in people. And this is because you're emitting signals that you're speaking and using body language to contradict. And it creates confusion and distrust. But if Sally would just get comfortable with the fact that she had a crush on Johnny, she doesn't have to voice it, and not really attach herself to the idea that she was feeling something wrong and had to hide it, then it would actually take away the power of that crush. It would calm down those chemical signals. The more you hide something, the more it shines. I always like to say that, because it's true. This has always been the way things are. When we stop pushing down things that we think are wrong and start understanding that they're perfectly natural and there's no need to blow them up and out of proportion, they begin to dissolve away. Sally's crush begins to get a little weaker, especially in the room with everybody, and she's not obsessing over it anymore. 
just relax. Let yourself feel it, but don't attach yourself to it. Let there be space. Create a space. And that brings me to space, which I include space as its own sort of elemental, along with earth, wind, air, and fire, because it's there, everywhere, mingling with everything. And it's another important thing that we don't really pay attention to. And again, I'm going to use another subculture example. Those guys who call themselves yogis. The reason they wear loose-fitting clothes is because they're intentionally creating a space between their bodies and the clothing that they wear. This keeps their heads out of their body mode. This keeps them from feeling too imprisoned to the idea of identifying too much with their physical form. They believe that identifying too much with the physical body creates too much ego basically creates too much confusion or distraction when you're trying to get spiritual. Now that's a very uh, rudimentary way of putting it. There's so much more to it. The lovely part of all the complexities of being human is that you have choices. You are free. Free. And let that sink in to choose what you want to do how you want to live, which path you want to be on. It's your life. It's your choice. While I admire this idea of releasing all ties with the physical self and ego, I also really love my body. And I've decided not to separate myself too much from it. I like being here in this state. I enjoy what I can do with it. And you know, it took me a really long time to come to this point because as a woman in a very patriarchal society, in a Western culture, and more importantly, as a kid who grew up in a cult church who valued the submissiveness of females, it took a lot of work for me to learn to love my body and to learn to love who I was. So sometimes, I use space if I'm really in the mood to separate myself from the physical. I can do that. I have to be in the right mindset for it. But space, it has a place in all this and it can be used for many things. Just like the four other elements. And we use it all the time. We use it when we want privacy. We use it when we want protection. We use it for cutting ties in old relationships that might be unhealthy. Space is an incredible thing to use in conversation, in music composition. Think of the very powerful effect a pause has. In entertainment on stage or to make a point in a conversation or to make people feel uncomfortable if that's what you wanna do. Without space, we'd be bombarded all the time with everything. We need that pause. And there's something very powerful in silence if it's used creatively. I'm not going to go into manifestation today. I'm running out of time. But if you're interested in this, listen again next week. These are very usable, strong pieces of a creative puzzle. A way to start bringing ourselves into alignment with everything around us and manifesting what we want. 
because it's all moving in and out of itself. Humans, animals, trees, water, fire, space, chemicals, we're all made of the same thing. We all work similarly. Although everybody and everything has different evolved abilities, we're still very entwined, weaved together, ebbing and flowing for eternity. This is forever. Once you start consciously working with these things, it brings you higher to a place above, above depression, above feeling locked down to things like traditional norms, above almost everything human beings have put in place as status quos, mainstream habits, you won't even think of them that much anymore. It's possible to get to a level where you're just not distracted too much by that stuff anymore and you can do anything that you want to do. Live any way you want to live. And it's okay. It's perfectly fine. Come back next week. Manifestations and spiritual freedom. I think you'll like it. This has been Natural and Wild with me, Christine Grayson. I'd like to thank my most prominent supporters and patrons first. As this is a listener-supported podcast and these people are the ones who make it happen. Bruce Presson, William Bishop, Chris Nolan, Sheila McGregor, Robin Umber, Arnold Bloom, and Yvonne Ragland. I'd like to thank everybody who supported the show via the tip jar this week. You can find the PayPal link at the bottom of the podcast page of my website, christinegrayson.com. The money goes directly to music licensing, distribution, storage fees, website fees, equipment, and software. I feel honored to do this for you every week, and it makes me incredibly happy to hear your feedback, so don't hesitate at all to send it. While I can't respond to all the messages, I do see and read them. Have a safe and peaceful weekend, and come back next time.